Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Promo code didn't sell enough magazines. Apparently not. I, I think the promo code is J, J10. J made it to yeah, 10, yeah, I made no, it to 5. Yeah, it's very 20, or if you only want 10% off, J10. And if you want 5% off, Connor 5. Those are the promo codes that will get you 5, 10, or 20% off. It just depends on how much you want to pay. It's worth it, by the way. It's still a great deal at Connor 5. Great content. Yeah. Thousand percent. Fantasy Football Happy Hour with Matthew Berry, served by Applebee's. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Happy Hour. I'm Connor Rogers alongside Matthew Berry and Jay Croucher. Yes, the promo codes are surging, Jay, even without your presence. Welcome back. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Good to be back. Look, by the way, some people just like spending money. There are some people that just like, I don't want to use the Barry 20 promo code. I don't want 20% off. I want to prove how wealthy I am. I want to show off to my friends. You know what I mean? Like, you know, yeah, let me go. Here, I'll, I'll spend $28 million on Carson Wentz. What do I care? You know what I mean? Like, that's, that's what the, you know, that's what the commanders did last year, right? So there's there will be people out there that want to show off to the friends. Oh, yeah, yeah, I only used Connor 5 as my promo code. Yeah, when you some give people, people like, and then some people might just pay full price. Yeah, it is strange. It's like a Wikipedia donation or something. Some people want to give a little bit more. Or when uh, there was a Radiohead album, we got to choose your own price to buy it back in the day. That that's was a, before that's you, a real callback. This back. was before you were born, Connor. This was uh, yes. back in two thousand and two. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, you give people the option, and maybe they choose to pay more. Yeah, it's, it's something to think about. Speaking of uh, before you were born, I I don't believe you were <laughs> were you alive in 1977 no, when, was, when Wisconsin won the national hockey championship. No, this was definitely uh, well before my time. From some some shop, this has probably been worn by like eight people during this lifetime. Yeah, probably so. But happy Big Ten That's Day right. to That's both a, of you guys. Well, it's nice that somebody on the desk celebrated it. Yeah, a thousand percent. I mean, well, I I believe I believe <laughs> stumped them for once. First off, a couple of things. Um, first off. That's part of the job, right? When you said, like, what am I supposed to do? Like, you said you were wearing something for Big Ten Day. So, yeah. like, it's okay, great. I'm a I acknowledge man. it. You're a company man. You're a company man. I don't have any Big Ten <laughs> gear gear. I need, like, we have, I have a, I have a wall at my bar here. We have a wall full of, of Big Ten helmets. You could have worn the, the Rutgers helmet. Could have worn the Rutgers helmet. That would have been quite a present. Well, you know what? I mean, the truth of the matter is, is that's what I should have done. Because, you know, uh, my new teammate and my new BFF, Devin McCourty, who's uh, <laughs> on fo- he's you know he's a new addition to Football Night in America. Do you call him Thrill. Eights yeah. as well? Chris Eights, part like, two. Uh, I, I do not, but he is a proud Rutgers graduate. Okay. Um, so you know, uh, Scarlet Knights representing. So anyway, something to think about. I have to figure out who my Big Ten allegiance will be to. I have a niece who's going to Michigan, so maybe it's Michigan uh, on behalf of uh, on behalf of my niece. I have to think about it. Jay, have um, you thought about this? Wisconsin seems fun, though. It's a blast. Yeah. I've heard that's just, it's, a, it's like the greatest party school. It is a blast. Oh, got, maybe I should put a poll on, on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. I could, I could root for Northwestern, you know, a school that I wasn't able to get into <laughs> with my grades. Maybe not the best time, Yeah, I though. wouldn't probably. It's, it's not really a bandwagon right now, Northwestern. I remember, I, I swear to God, I actually was interested in Northwestern, and I went to, when I was in high school, I'll never remember, and I, I, we went to some, you know, they have those days, those informational days. 
And you know, back when I was going to school, like it was all about the SATs, which is you know not as much the case anymore. But you know, you had to take an SAT. And I remember something like, I went there to this, and I was just like, hey, you know, how important is your SAT score versus you know everything else in terms of getting into Northwestern? And, and whoever was there representing Northwestern said, ah, you know what? It's not all about the SAT scores. Like, you know, I'm in the admissions office, and we literally just had somebody that like. Um, you know, that they were involved in, in theater. They, they lettered in two sports. They did a bunch of community service as well. Just an absolutely great kid. And they were able to get into Northwestern with just a 1290 on their SAT. And I literally got up and left. I was just like, all right, well, you know. <laughs> There's like, nothing I, I can do here, I'm, yes. Yeah, I mean, like, on just a 1290, <laughs> yeah. like, you know, like, I wasn't getting there. I wasn't getting that 1290. So it's like, all right, I'm uh, check, please. All right, Northwestern out. Uh, yeah. Connor, so not to take a shot at the Big Ten, but uh, Ohio State cost me a lot of money last year by not winning the national okay. title game, which I really needed them to do. Had them at uh, 30 to 1 after they lost to Michigan. Market overreacted a little bit. So I'm watching that game against Georgia on New Year's Eve, mm. and it comes down to the final kick. I still don't know why they played for a 50 yard field goal no instead of just, you know, trying to score a touchdown, just end the game. Sure. Let's play for a 50 yard field goal in college. And so I'm texting texting a buddy who's also on Ohio State, and he's like, oh, I feel good. And I'm like, I don't feel good at all. It's a college One, kicker. it's a college kicker. The bloke's name is Ruggles, which doesn't make me feel great either. Oh, yeah. And surely enough, Ruggles hooks it far, far left. So whoever, Ohio State's biggest rival, Michigan. I think I'm a Michigan guy now. Are you so a Michigan now. guy? Wow. I'm a Michigan guy. I'm, but now I don't want to be a Michigan guy. Well, you can't, you can't, been, you can't align. They've been might, spoken for. I might pick one of the Iowas. Okay. I might pick Iowa or Iowa State, well, you, you know. You, it, got, you got to take Iowa because <laughs> Iowa State's in the Big 12. Are you sure? Yes, I'm very positive. I, I really draft. should get a Big 10 cheat sheet. With all this college realignment, it's hard to keep track of who's who. We should have let you pick Iowa State and yeah. see how long it took for you to well, notice. Yeah. All those years our producer, Iowa State our producer was very nervous that you were going to do that. So I, I would have let you I run with it. I thought both of them were in. Big right, maybe Iowa, Iowa State fan. You should be a Rutgers guy. Then maybe it's Iowa. that's a hard Maybe it's Penn State. I don't even live in Jersey You know. I don't know. Eh, yeah, eh. you just kind of have Michigan. That's what you got some time to think I mean, about it. Yeah. It's not Michigan State. Yeah. I once had an awful day in East Lansing. Why don't you just choose some other teams that aren't the bit? Why don't you go USC? It's your Big Ten team. Yeah, it doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, Syrac I'm just sticking with Syracuse and Texas A&M. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get into the Roto World right. headlines. A, a Big Ten alumni, Jonathan yeah. Taylor, he's been in the news all summer. Jonathan yeah. Taylor isn't participating at Colts training camp due to an ankle injury. He went to Wisconsin, which is in the in the Big Ten. That's right. So there <laughs> you go. We can do Big Ten trivia all day. Uh, that's perfect. Yeah, for Big Ten day. Uh, Adam Schefter reports that Kareem Hunt is visiting the Colts. Kind of a plot twist from Kareem Hunt, who was visiting the Saints. The Colts, their running back depth is non-existent at the moment as Deion Jackson did not practice on Tuesday as well. Right, and Zach Moss has the broken arm. He's out for at least, uh, I think, six weeks. Time. Yeah, quite some time here. This was an interesting one because he was literally in New Orleans. Like, he was, you know, he was in New Orleans for a visit, not a workout, and is what, what's, what's been reported. And then, like, he gets a call from his agent, like, yo, Colts offering more money, got on a plane. And so now he's in Indianapolis. I think the jury is still out as to whether or not Kareem Hunt is done or not. Like, again, last year did not look like the Kareem Hunt we've seen before. I think the jury was, might be in. Right? Pretty right. close to win that I think he's, the league is telling us. He had behind maybe, uh, well, one of the three best offensive lines in football. He averaged 3.8 yards per carry, uh, which is significantly less than Nick Chubb, who was averaging 5.1. It's a pretty good control group to be able to compare. So, yeah, I... 
I don't think it really matters. He needs a lot of volume, I think, to be useful because clearly right. he, didn't, he wasn't able to be efficient last year in a better situation than he's going to end up this year. So if he's on the Colts, potentially he could get that volume. Right, that's the, that's the point, right? So like when we talked on Monday and it was looking like the Saints, I, I poo-pooed it. I was just basically like, not interested. He's a bigger name than production. You know, I'm much more interested in Kendry Miller, Jamal Williams outside of Kamara than I am Kareem Hunt, even if he signs there. But to your point, Zach Moss hurt. Who knows what's going on with Deion Jackson? Jonathan Taylor, this situation gets messier by the day. He's still not in camp. They're, protect- they're saying it's injury-related. Who knows? But there's a, there's a much clearer path. If Kareem Hunt does, in fact, sign with Indianapolis, and as of this taping, he has not, but if he does end up signing with the Colts, there's a, there's a clear path to him having significant playing time and fantasy relevancy on what should be a run-heavy team in a decent division for Kareem Hunt. He's suddenly he's more, much more interesting fantasy-wise on the Colts than he ever was on the Saints to me. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you look at some of the other names on this Colts depth chart. Uh, I mean, the wide receivers are something as well, but these running backs, after the names we've mentioned, Evan Hull, the great Jake Funk, yeah. Xavier Scott with a Z, and then the great Kenyon Drake. Kenyon Drake, I think, there needs to be something around him. We need to build a concept like the Mendoza line, the Kenyon Drake line, where if you're above Kenyon Drake, then you have more viables fantasy starter. I don't know. So maybe it's going to be... We're going to get questions from viewers at some point this year about Kenyon Drake and he be streamed because he just will never go away. That's all true. And by the way, I'm not... If I had a draft today, I'm probably taking Hunt over Kenyon Drake because I think there's a better chance of a three-down roll for him than Drake. But we've seen Drake at times, he, he was for, an, you know, for a cup of coffee in Arizona at, at points in his Miami career where Drake was sort of the guy, right? He, you know, he had games in Baltimore. We had like 15 touches, 17 touches. So there's definitely a non-zero chance that Kenyon Drake winds up being the Colts running back you want than Kareem Hunt. Like it's just, bottom line, it's a mess, but certainly it's worth, note, it's worth noting that there's a chance that Hunt signs in Indianapolis and having both Hunt and Drake sort of tells you maybe they're not 100% sold on the fact that Jonathan Taylor is going to be there come opening kickoff. Yeah, I, th- I think the biggest news out of this is just that Jonathan Taylor still has an ankle injury, which appears to be real. If, look, Looking at the video of him at training camp, the way he's moving around, it doesn't look great. I'm not no. sure what's going on there and how much of that is to do with, obviously, his whole situation. Uh, but, I mean, that's a concern. And he's a guy who famously was just never hurt in his entire life. Like, never missed a practice in his yeah, life yeah, type yeah. of guy. And then he was dealing with injuries for the first time ever last season. It seems like he just still hasn't been able to shake it. Staying in the AFC South over in Jags camp, head coach Doug Peterson complimented Tank Bixby, uh, their rookie running back, on his pass-catching ability. Obviously, there's a lot of eyes on Travis Etienne's role in uh, year two on in Doug's offense. But Tank Bixby, listen, drafted to compliment Etienne a little bit. And, Jay, it'll be interesting to see – you know, if he actually can see some kind of pass-catching role under with Trevor Lawrence at the helm. Yeah, and to me, Etienne might be the single most interesting guy in fantasy coming into the season because he is a guy on talent and on that team in that division where they're going to have a lot of leads. Like, it would not shock me if Travis Etienne is the number one player in fantasy. Like, I think he has that level of upside. You look at his his advanced stats with his uh, rushing yards over expected, his explosiveness metrics. Like, he is an all-world runner who also offers you plenty as a receiver as well. And so I'm just really interested to see if Tank Bigsby, like, how much is he actually going to eat in? Is he going to steal touchdowns away from him, which I think would be the concern. Well, and here's the other concern, is that 
for all of his uh, receiving prowess and production in college, they have, at least not to date, used ETN in the passing game in Jacksonville. And I don't know if that's a, if that's a design of the offense, if that's just a lack of confidence in him as a runner. The film guys don't love him as a pass catcher um, in terms of ETN. I mean, you think about it, nine different games last year with under 20 receiving yards, 10 different games with a single-digit target share. Tank Bigsby, everyone thinks, again, Tank, strongest handshake in the NFL right now. But over his last years in college, Connor, he had 51 receptions. Tank Bigsby is not a zero in the passing game. He's not. And the story with Tank Bigsby was Auburn's offensive line did him no favors. Otherwise, he would have been drafted even higher. So good lower body power, soft hands. I don't think he's overly explosive, Tank Bigsby, where if you're looking for that catch and run Austin Eckler or take it 20, 20, you know, 25 yards each play, that's not him. But if they just want a reliable check down option and they trust Tank Bigsby to effectively do that by just catching the ball better, then he's going to get on the field and he's going to have a role. And maybe it's also partially with ETN, who's had significant health issues, notably that foot injury. Maybe it's also protecting him by getting him a, a back that complements him a little bit and also not putting as much pressure on him from a workload standpoint. And don't forget this. Prior to last year when they sort of over this, you know, final three quarters of a season, they kind of went all in on ETN. Doug Peterson has traditionally been a multi-running back guy. Uh, in Philadelphia, he was constantly, you know, whether, you know, we were talking about, it was Jordan Howard and Miles Sanders. And like he uses, he has used multiple running backs throughout his career. I think that that is somewhat of a philosophical, you know, point of view on Peterson that he doesn't want to just say, you're the guy. And at the beginning of last year, it looked like that was, it was going to be James Robinson and Travis Etienne. And then Robinson, you know, got hurt again and Etienne just sort of exploded and, they're pass happy anyway. A Peterson offense is always going to be pass first. But yeah, I just, I feel like there are more reasons why you don't see ETN involved in the passing game than there are signs that, yes, he's going to be a true three down back. Because I agree with you on the talent, but just if he's not getting, if he's not getting third down and pass catching work, it's much harder to see a path to him being, you know, a top three fantasy running back and much more he's probably in the in the five to 10 range. Yeah, and even my bigger concern might be whether Tank Bigsby is stealing goal line carries away from ETN because ETN did get some a decent volume of work inside uh, the 20s last season, inside the 20 last season. But the other thing is, I thought it was interesting, Doug Peterson actually said the other day, he said he thinks that Travis ETN this year could get 1,600, 1,700 rushing yards on the ground. And that's something where, like, that, that makes you the rushing title winner. Uh, so at that point, I mean, it's just an interesting thing for Peterson to throw out there. I wasn't expecting that. What are Travis Etienne's odds of winning the rushing title? I think he's 35 to 1, which I don't mind, just because yeah. of the upside. I don't think he's going to do it because of the nature of the offense, but he does have the talent. They brought back every significant pass catcher from last year yeah. and added Calvin Ridley. Yeah. Again, Doug Peterson, former NFL quarterback, Andy Reid disciple. Doug Peterson's going to throw. I built, yeah, They've I got Trevor right. Lawrence back there. They're not handing it off a lot. Over in Eagles camp, Bo Wolf, who covers the team for the Athletics, said getting DeAndre Swift the ball in space has been an early focal point for the team. And on top of that, the Philadelphia Inquirer's Josh Tolentino reports Eagles running back Kenneth Gainwell has been the team's featured running back during the two-minute drill in training camp. This is a backfield that everybody's trying to dissect, Barry, and this is what we have so far. That Swift's involved, getting him in space, but of course Kenneth Gainwell is not going anywhere right now. I don't care about the Gainwell note for two reasons. Number one is how often are they in the two-minute drill? And oh, by the way, that may just be like, he's the veteran. He's been in Sirianni's system now multiple seasons, whereas Rashad Penny and DeAndre Swift are new to the team. 
So that just may be like, he's the guy that understands the hand signals that knows, like in a two minute drill, you don't have time to say like, all right, you're doing this and you're doing this. It's just, you know, you got to give a, a couple of lines there. So I don't really think there's fantasy relevancy to Gainwell being the, the quote, set two minute drill guy. But Swift in space makes sense. Again, this is a guy that had, you know, almost a 17% target share over the last two seasons. In career games in which he's gotten at least 15 touches, he's averaging over 21 fantasy points per game. The point of DeAndre Swift is to get him into space. Like, he is, I don't know where you rank, you and I didn't know each other when he came out of Georgia, but for my money, he had he gone to a different team, he'd have been the number one dynasty running back. Like, there was an argument to be made DeAndre Swift was the most talented running back coming out of college that year. He was RB1 for me that year. I, mean, I thought he, and that was a great, gra- a great group. Yes. They were closely knit together, but you have to rank. And he came out as the top running back for me based on talent. Right. So the, it's just been a health issue. And so getting him, I mean, look, DeAndre Swift has such a wide range of outcomes this year uh, in terms of what his fantasy, because he could be, a, he could be a committee back on a team that, uh, that has a quarterback that also vultures goal line touches. He could get hurt again, as he has been multiple times in his career. But oh, by the way, if he stays healthy, like, and he gets, call it 15 touches a game, being a top 10 fantasy running back is easily within the realm of possibility. Like, he could easily, and by the way, if they decide not to run Hurts, like, he's got the talent to be an RB1 in fantasy football. There's no question about it, especially behind that offensive line and given how many weapons Philadelphia has on offense. Like, you're not going to be able to key on DeAndre Swift, especially if they're creative in getting him into space when you have a mobile quarterback and you're doing RPOs with DeAndre Swift. The question is just the the playing time split between Swift and Penny and also just how often do they go to him versus A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard in the passing game. I will say this. DeAndre Swift is my running back 30, and there's a very good chance that at the end of the year, I'm dead wrong on him. He winds up either running back 10 or running back 50. You know what I mean? Like, like it's just, he to me, he has, he's among the players with the widest range of outcomes this year in fantasy football. You know what the problem is with the Eagles? Another one of the guys with one of the wide, widest range of outcomes in fantasy football is Rashad Penny Correct. as well. And the fact that they're on the same team. And then also, outside of those two, there's another three running backs on the team with Gainwell, Scott, and I'm counting Jalen Hurts for this as well because of the rushing right. volume that he gets. So I think the Eagles are a pretty big favorite to be the most annoying team in fantasy football at least for uh running backs uh, in that situation so i don't know i mean i think that penny is worth a flyer as well because he's barely going inside the top 100 and there is a chance that he could be the lead back and the touchdown guy for uh behind the best offensive line in football so i mean yeah i think overall it's just a mess but those guys are potentially worth flyers they both are because both could have just monster years i will just say that like i like both guys um I don't know that I would want to invest in either one of them, but I don't mind a mid-round flyer on either of them, 100%. All right, over in Giants camp, the Athletic Charlotte Carroll said Paris Campbell is poised to earn plenty of snaps and targets as the Giants' starting slot receiver. We made many jokes on this show that the Giants are just accumulating slot receivers at an alarming number. Mm -hmm. Paris Campbell, it's always been health with Paris Campbell. This was somebody drafted early by the Colts. He was not able to stay on the field. It sounds like he's been the leader of the pack, although – Charlotte Carroll also said Giants wide receiver Jalen Hyatt has been the standout amongst all the receivers at, uh, early in training camp. Hyatt probably more playing on the outside while Paris Campbell earning the slot targets. Yeah, my expectation is, as we, if I had to, 
Again, they have eight billion wide receivers it's there. Unbelievable. But, what I are mean, they doing? Like, by the way, and also Sterling Shepard often plays in the slot, and who knows his health? Like, I mean, you know who else plays in the slot? Darren Waller. Right. Well, that that was where I was going. Right. A thousand percent, Connor. Because my point is, is my expectation is, is that their typical three wide receiver sets are going to be uh, Darius Slayton and Jalen Hyatt on the outside, and then probably Paris Campbell in the middle again. We'll see with Shepard. We'll see with Cole Beasley. We'll see with you know they have a Jamison mi- Crowder. I James- say. <laughs> I mean, Wondell like, Robinson, right? Probably. How long do we Wanda, do this? Wanda, Ro- of course, Wondell Wondell <laughs> Robinson. I'm pretty sure they re-signed Edelman. Um, as well, I think Edelman <laughs> might be there. Um, I think Danny Amendola has did a 10-day contract. Did we say Cole Yeah, Cole Beasley is – I did actually mention him. Um, but to your point, like the slot receiver I want on the Giants is Darren Waller. That's where he's going to line up. It makes sense. If you think about Dayball's offense from Buffalo and in terms of how early and often Cole Beasley got targeted kind of in the, in the heyday there, and you think about what Daniel Jones does well, which is throwing between the numbers – but that was one of the reasons why Darren Waller, who is so good on those crossing routes and is such a mismatch for a linebacker, was so important to me. So, uh, like, I think it's an interesting nugget, and I don't mind Campbell as a late-round flyer. Look, like, there's a long – if you're going to bet on a wide receiver, an Ohio State wide receiver is not a – speaking of Big Ten Day, um, it's not a – there you go. They there are you in go, the NBC. Ten. Look nice at me job. being a company man. There you go. Paris Campbell from the Ohio State University that you'll get to see on, P- on NBC and Peacock this season. Um, look, that that's not a bad bet to make, but I agree with you. Like, the pass-catching option I want the most on the Giants this year is Darren Waller and Saquon Barkley. And then if I had to pick a wide receiver, if I had to pick a wide receiver, I think Jalen Hyatt is really interesting, Jay. Yeah, I mean, he might have the most upside of any of these guys. Wondell Robinson's interesting to me as well, coming off the injury. I think the problem with the Giants, in a way, is that in fantasy football, you often want you want illogical coaches because you want illogical coaches who will just go to a guy because of a name or because of the pedigree or whatever. You want Mike McCarthy just using Ezekiel Elliott and you can bank on Ezekiel Elliott being used in ways that logically he shouldn't be. But Dayball's too good of a coach and Dayball goes away from guys. He just goes to whatever the game plan uh, and the offense or the defense is allowing him. Like Saquon Barkley was barely getting carries at the end of last season because the defense was giving him the passing game. So I don't think they're going to lean on one guy in particular outside of maybe Waller. But, I mean, it's, I think it's just going to be a roulette between these receivers. But Hyatt's got the most We talked about him on, on, draft, on draft night. You liked Hyatt coming out of college. At vertical speed. And this offense had no vertical speed last year. At a minimum, at least he stretches the field and gets eight guys out of the box for Saquon right. Barkley to see. I mean, that was the thing with the Giants. You're just going to see eight-man boxes against Barkley. You said they got away from it. Uh, Hyatt's somebody who was undervalued. I didn't think he should have went in the third round. He should have went in the second round because he wins down the field. He's a natural pass catcher. He was a Will Fuller-esque type of prospect, right. very similar. And uh, I believe he will never have to buy a, a meal in Knoxville ever again, right? After what he did to Alabama? Exactly. Yes. What, five touchdowns? Five touchdowns against Five Alabama. touchdowns against the Tide. Not yeah, bad. Not bad at all. Okay. New Orleans Football Network's Brooke Kirchhoff said Saints wide receiver Rashid Shahid is expected to miss the next few weeks with a groin injury. Obviously, we've gone through New Orleans has a lot of different pass catching options, a crowded backfield, uh, but this is one name that's going to miss some time. Um, which is a little bit uh, disappointing because Shahid actually had kind of a mini breakout towards the end of last year. Five, uh, you know, the, his final five games, week 13 on, he had a 21% target share, played on over 66% of the snaps. You know, like deep threat, right? And again, we've talked about Derek Carr, and one of the things he does well is throw the ball deep. It's interesting. We did a 
Connor and I, when you were doing whatever it was, you were playing with kangaroos on Monday. Um, Connor and I did a show by ourselves. It's all right. That's fine. It's fine. It's the off season. You just you wander in whenever you feel like it. Jay. I was busy right. watching Chicago White Sox baseball. They're forty-five and sixty-eight, and they demand my attention and presence in Chicago. Powerhouse offense. The Chicago people, White Sox. Why is there betting? Because people have to watch the White Sox. Uh, what I will say here is that so Connor and I on Monday show we talked about Chris Olave and Derek Carr, and that I I said like. I think so. I mentioned that Chris Olave was on my short list for potential rider dies, for potential fantasy rider dies. Ultimately, obviously, I went to Amon Ross St. Brown, but like when I was sort of going through like who potentially I wanted to go with, Olave is somebody that I think is going to have just a monster year. And so the Roto World Fantasy account, which but at Roto World underscore FB, followed on on uh, on all forms of social media, especially X. Um, tweeted out a, a video of, uh, of me saying that I thought Derek Carr was the perfect quarterback for Chris Olave and his skill set in terms of Carr likes to throw it deep. Olave obviously can win down the field. And I got all these people, what about Michael Thomas? Uh, you know, like, oh yeah, I guess, I guess Michael Thomas isn't playing anymore. And the answer is, is like, uh, yeah, he isn't. He has missed 40 games the last three years. Over the last three years, he has literally played in 10 games. Yeah, I mean, right, exactly. Thank you, Joshua Chow, right. But Mr. Barry, Michael <laughs> Thomas, right, exactly. That was, that was, he's being facetious, by the way. Uh, Joshua is, like, because that's, like, that was, like, legitimate tweets or X's that I got, whatever the heck you call them. But, yeah, what are we doing, people? Stop me with the Michael, you know what? Yes, I don't think Michael Thomas is playing. I'm not, I'm not worried about Chris Olave losing snaps to Michael Thomas. The biggest concern I have is that they might, might run out of medical tape. Like, I mean, is that too mean? Wait, I think we're actually going like, to go. I just, no, I'm just sorry. I don't mean to take it out of Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas was an absolute fantasy football legend, and I know he has worked hard to get back there, and I'm not trying to make fun or light of his, of his injuries. But what I am saying is, is that he has missed 40 games the last three years. This isn't like he just, he just had a hammy that acted up or that was one bad year. Three years, 40 missed games, and I... I hope the guy gets right. I'm rooting for the guy. But in terms of how we process fantasy football, like you can't sit here and tell me like, oh, I don't want to draft Chris Olave or even Rashid Shahid because I'm worried that he's going to play a lot of snaps, Michael Thomas. We have, we have no evidence over the last three seasons. That's a, that's a massive sample size in the NFL. Yep. I think we might actually go head to head on this. We agree most of the time. But I think with Michael Thomas, I think it's reached the point now where he's going outside the top 100 yeah. in drafts. And here's the thing with Thomas. If you'd asked me to set an over-under on what his age was, uh, I would have put, set it at 32 and a half. He, he's 30. He's the same age as Cooper Cup, Devontae Adams. He's not 34, 35, which is what it feels like because he just hasn't played right. and he's been so out of sight, out of mind. But the last time he was healthy which I understand was 1994. It's been a long time since Where's Michael that, Thomas. Was, I, yeah, I believe it was constantly won the hockey, uh, <laughs> yeah. the hockey Ex title. Exactly yeah. right. Uh, the last time he was healthy, mm. he was the best wide receiver in the game. He won Correct. Offensive Player of the Year. He set the record for receptions. And he's not a guy who's dependent on elite speed. Like He just gets open. He is, but he, it, he is dependent on volume. Yes, he is. He is dependent on volume. Um, and he's dependent on he's dependent on volume, and he's dependent on touchdowns, right? I mean, like, because if he's not getting a hundred receptions, right, and it's hard to him, hard to see him doing that again it, with with Olave. We like Shahid. 
by the way, and it's hard for me to honestly look. They have two great red zone threats in Juwan Johnson and Jimmy Graham. We can all sit here and laugh about Jimmy Graham, but I'm telling you, Jimmy Graham's going to wind up with five touchdowns one yeah. way or the other this year. Uh, and and then we talk about like Taysom Hill is always going to vulture a handful. We'll see what happens with the running, but whether it's Kamara or Jamal Williams or Kendry Miller or whatever, like I I don't know. I just I don't mind the flyer on Michael Thomas because the upside is massive, of course, and he's basically free in drafts. Yep. But I push back significantly on the I'm not drafting Chris Olave oh, that's silly, because yeah. of right. the potential of Michael Thomas and like he's Chris Olave. Whether or not Michael Thomas is out there, Chris Olave will have a monster year. Yes, that's he's the, the guy there. My now. Own he's the guy there. He now. is the, the Michael guy Thomas there. being the that's yeah. my the whole guy. Point. Days are over. Anyway, and Rashid Sheed, it's just worth noting just because he was kind of a, a a trendy sleeper pick, and so but he will be ready for the regular season, which is great. Yep. Just last thing, and then I know we got to move on. Michael Thomas, when he did play at the start of last season, he looked good. He looked much yeah. better than anyone expected. So I think there might still be something in the tank. All right. John Mashota from the Athletics said Jake Ferguson is the clear number one tight end for the Cowboys. Uh, this kind of makes me laugh, guys, because when Jake Ferguson was a prospect, I compared him to Dalton Schultz. And it's funny how teams align with the same players. Right. And now maybe he will be the Cowboys' new Dalton Schultz. Yeah, maybe. I guess we'll see. I'll just tell you this. Not to that level. I was going to say, like, this is fine. It's an interesting note. So, you know, but in terms of I can think of off the top of my head at least three rookie tight ends I would much rather have than Jake Ferguson. Can I say him to you? Oh, yeah. I can guess him. Uh, I bet you could. Go ahead. Kincaid, Michael Mayer, Sam Laporta. Uh, Two of the three. Um, Sam Laporta and uh, Dalton Kincaid, 100%. I'm kind of intrigued by Luke Musgrave. Okay. I mean, the reports out of Green Bay are, like, glowing about Musgrave. You know what I mean? Like, just in terms of his speed and in terms of – the other thing is is that other than Christian Watson, they don't really have anyone that's going to demand targets in that offense. I mean – Romeo Dobbs was a nice story last year, but the, you know, and we'll see what they get out of uh, of Reed. But like, I don't know. I'm I'm kind of intrigued by Luke Musgrave. Am I crazy on that one? He just needs to stay healthy. He's a guy that really didn't have any production in college. But how many guys that are six feet six inches tall run that fast? I mean, he can fly. And like you said, where is the volume going in Green Bay's offense? Right. Where is it going? Dobbs was hurt last year. It's a lot of guys at wide receiver after Christian Watson who still needs to be consistent for an entire season. Yeah. And they drafted Luke Musgrave in the second round. And he's a pass catcher. He's not a blocker. Correct. So, I mean, just like you, you see like um, you see like sort of training camp videos and everything like that. And just like time after time, he's just he's blowing past linebackers. Just because, again, he is so fast. And like people that I trust in Packers camp just talking about um, the fact of the matter is, is like and as here's uh, some Ferguson footage for those of you watching. Um, but like. You know, the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, Musgrave just is blowing past guys uh, with that with that speed. And so anyway, that's he's just an interesting name is Absolutely. all I'm going to say. Those are those are three rookie tight ends I prefer over Jake Ferguson. And to your point, yeah, Michael Mayer, I, I prefer him as well. Yeah, okay. I think with Musgrave, the good thing there, too, is that when you're taking those type of flyers, you want high variance situations and Jordan Love might just be really good. There is a chance that he's just really good and that's a good passing offense out of nowhere and that Musgrave can benefit. And you're better off, right. I think, taking a flyer on him as opposed to someone like like Hayden Hurst. Everyone just knows what Hayden Hurst is. Like he is just, you know, you're locked into what that's going to be, basically. Whereas Musgrave has, I think, a fair bit of upside. Right, but there's also a chance, by the way, that Jordan Love isn't good, but he just locks in on Luke Musgrave. Yeah, sure. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. whatever. I mean, we just, you know, you don't know. But there you go. Courtney Cronin from ESPN said, the competition for the Bears' RB1 job likely comes down to pass pro. 
which makes it kind of interesting with a crowded group of the team that drafted Roshan Johnson, a good pass protector for Texas when he was on the field instead of Bijan Robinson. You have Khalil Herbert there. Deontay Foreman is there. It feels like kind of a wild toss-up when you see quotes like this. Especially because, well, by the way, first off, just so you know, just as somebody, uh, Courtney Cronin's really good. Um, you know, as somebody who worked with her for a number of years over at ESPN, like we sort of knew internally at ESPN, like some of the beat reporters are better than others. Courtney Cronin's really good. And uh, so I be- when, when I hear that report, that's one that I'm like, she knows what she's talking about there. Um, she has really good sources. So what I would say here is the other piece that I think this kind of went underreported, but they signed Travis Homer. Two years, $4 million, $1.75 guaranteed, which is a lot of money for, like, a fringe running back. Right. And Travis Homer, again, was a th- he's a third down back. He's somebody that they use in the passing offense. He's going to play special teams as well. But there's a chance, Connor, that Travis Homer is the best passing blocker. Now, I'm not sitting here saying Travis Homer is going to be the starting running back for the Bears. He's not. But could I see him on some third downs? I could. And the other thing is, is you sit there and look at the screen. Herbert, Deontay Foreman, Travis Homer, Roshan Johnson, who they drafted. Are they carrying? We figure Travis Homer is going to be active on game day because he's playing special teams as well. So they're going to carry four active running backs? Like, is there a chance Foreman either is a healthy scratch or Roshan Johnson is a healthy scratch on game days because they don't want to carry four running backs? And we know the Bears want to be run heavy this year. Um, but... It's, it makes it, it was already a tough situation to sort of dissect fantasy wise because Herbert and Foreman have both, when both of them have gotten volume, both have been really good. And Roshan Johnson, if he wasn't playing behind a game named Bijan Robinson, would have been a college superstar. 100%. So, like, it's almost an embarrassment of riches for the Bears. But, you know, there's only one football, and then you've got Fields as well. So, it's a, it's a very tough situation to sort of navigate for fantasy. I sort of think the positives are none of them are going particularly high in terms of ADP. I think you just sort of, you know, choose your fighter and hope for the best. But, Jay, I don't have a strong feeling as to who's going to be the guy other than this report tells me neither do the Bears. Yeah, and usually when you see reports like this, it means two things. One, that maybe it's going to be the vet, because the vet is usually better in pass pro, more um, experience. Or it's also just the message to the younger guys of you need to focus more on pass pro in practice, and that's what is going to get you on the field. I still think Herbert is the guy who has the most upside. He's 5.7 yards per carry. He just seems like the most talented guy. Didn't really understand last year why he wasn't getting more run over David Montgomery. And now it feels like it's going to be the same thing with Deontay Foreman, perhaps a better version of David Montgomery that's going to block Khalil Herbert. But I think he is the guy who is the, the highest upside and the one I'd be most interested in. Yeah, I, I get all that. I even agree with all that. The problem is, is that I don't think the coaching staff in Chicago agrees with that, right? Sure. Because again, to your point, we were sitting here like, we were like free Cleo Herbert, and yet they still give Montgomery, and then Montgomery leaves, and they're like, we're going to go get Foreman, we're going to draft Roshan Johnson, we're going we're gonna to sign Travis Homer to like, you know, more money than you would have thought he, a guy like that would have gotten. So like, every indication is, is that for whatever reason, they don't want Khalil Herbert to be a full-time guy. It just, you know, again, like you just don't do the moves they did in the offseason, I feel like, if you feel like he's going to be our guy now. Yep. I, it just seems to me. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. 
Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. The show is back and so is the Rotor World Fantasy Football Draft Guide. Stay connected throughout training camps with updated player rankings, team profiles, and projections that will help you win your fantasy league. Go to NBCSports.com slash draft guide and use promo code BARRY20 for 20% off at checkout. If I want 10% off my checkout, though, what promo code do I use? J10. J10. J-A-Y-10 for only 10% off. And Connor but 30. If, and Connor 5 if you want 5% off. But if you want 20% off your draft guide, then I guess Barry 20 is the way to go. It's that time of the show. We bring in a guest bartender, and who better than one of our own here, the NBC family, in Lawrence Jackson. Lawrence, a warm welcome back. Great to see you. What's good, man? We're going to serve it up good today, Matthew. We're going to talk about some underrated players on some offenses here. The first team we're going to talk about is the Ravens right now. They're not really underrated, right? We expect them to be good, but what I'm here to say is they're going to be even better than what people think. I'm talking like top three offense. Now, when you get a top three offense, right, you're expecting more than just Lamar in a running back and Mark Andrews to be valuable. So that's why I want to talk about Zay, Zay Flowers and Odell Beckham Jr. here, right? People forget that Mark Andrews and Marquise Brown both went over 1,000 yards in the season once now, right? Now you got Zay Flowers, OBJ, Todd Munkin using every part of the field. In training camp, they've even been going five wide at the goal line, dog. So look. I'm on Zay Flowers as, as a eight, nine round pick, OBJ round the same time. I like them as mid-round sleepers. I like, first off, a few things, Lawrence. Number one is thank you for wearing a shirt. Last time I saw you, you were shirtless and you were sweating on a football field. So just, I want to thank you for dressing I have a pro- certain fan base. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to, uh, I'm going to, um, I'm going to take your word for that. Uh, I'm not part of that fan base. I'll just leave it at you that. Sure? But yeah, not not. I'm not part of the the, the shirtless fan base. I think probably because I'm jealous. I have a dad vibe. <laughs> uh, but I like the call, by the way. Neither guy going inside the top 40 in terms of ADP among wide receivers. So the cost to get them is low. I think we all agree. Look, I have Lamar Jackson at QB4. So right. I'm with you. We know about Todd Munkin's offense. We know he wants to be pass happy. You have a guy who's a former MVP, a yes, guy sir. who has been paid, a guy who went out and actively recruited Odell Beckham Jr. to come to the Ravens when there are a lot of teams there. So I agree with you. I think it's going to be a much more up-tempo offense, a much more pass-friendly offense, and fantasy-friendly offense. We love the potential of Rashad Bateman, but so far we haven't seen him get on the field, and all the reports out of camp is that Zay Flowers and OBJ are up. the stars. I kind of like... You know, I mean, like Beckham with the health is the only concern yeah, there, right, right? Obviously, right. but again, because of he's proven in the NFL, yes, he's sir. proven at a high level, and again, Lamar Jackson went out and personally recruited him. I prefer Beckham to Zay Flowers. That's where they're going to as well. I mean, um, uh, in terms of upside, I prefer like you know, I think Beckham has more upside. I think Zay Flowers is a safer play. But again, both guys are going outside the top 40 in, in wide receivers, so they're both, they're both yeah. sort of upside flyers. I actually like the call from uh, Lord Don't Lose over here, Jay and Connor. What do you think? Yeah, well, firstly, I'm just glad that, uh, that Lawrence could take time out from watching the Oakland Athletics uh, to join <laughs> us. Ridiculous hat, which is actually... It's a full-time job. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. unbelievable. Someone uh, has to. I would say that with the Ravens, 
Connor, I still can't shake 2019 out of my head when they were just so dominant and Lamar wins uh, MVP unanimously uh, and is the best player in the league. And I still kind of think back to that and how much of that is left. I think the good thing about this offense is that, look, these wide receivers, not all of them are going to work out, but they just have a lot of lottery tickets. And even if there's a 25, 30% chance that individually they work out, just between OBJ and Zay Flowers and even Devin Duvernay, who's fine, and Rashad Bateman, who probably won't be good, but has a pathway. And then there's obviously Andrews and then Isaiah Likely, Nelson Aguilar, if that's your cup of tea. I think that some of these guys will hit and this should be an elite offense. I'm with you all the way, Jay. I think for so long they had depth and quantity at the running back position for the running game, even blocking tight ends on the roster. And now it feels like it's all flipped towards the passing game, right? And you look at Zay Flowers, who is being undervalued because you could have trust in Todd Munkin to use uh, him as an extension of the run game. And what I mean by that is the short pass game, the screen game, the pitch passes, manufacture touches to get this guy the ball in his hands and make plays after the catch. That's where Zay Flowers will have the biggest impact, and that will help in PPR formats. Obviously, that'll help for the Ravens to find more explosive plays that are easier for Lamar Jackson. Lawrence, how about another offense besides Baltimore that you think is being overlooked? Yes, sir. Look, Matthew, now we're going to go even a little lower. This, this offense is really underrated. Let's take it to the AFC South. I'm talking about the Colts offense. Now, we got the thing happening with Jonathan Taylor. I'm going to talk about this as if he were playing in week one. So, you know, we expect them to lean on the running game, right? You got Anthony Richardson, hopefully uh, Jonathan Taylor. We know we're going to be drafting Michael Pittman, but a player I like deep, deeper, way deeper than a Zay Flowers or, or Odell Beckham is Alec Pierce, who all things considered last season caught 41 passes for 593 yards, only two touchdowns. But the main thing here is 46% of those yards, right, was on deep passes. What does Anthony Richardson do? Deep passes. In what type of offense are they running? Shane Steichen's offense where they ran the ball effectively, hit the deep routes to A.J. Brown. We know they don't have that quality of receiver right now, but it'll still be effective. So I like him with like, you know, when you're right before you're picking your defense and your kickers and your redraft leads, you could take a shot on them. Yeah, listen, there's no such thing as a bad late round pick. So he's fine, right? And to your point, like he sort of came on towards the end of last season, week seven on, played over 17% of the snaps. So, I mean, he was out there a lot. They started to lean on him, even though their passing offense was a disaster last year. My concern here is, is that I think you'll see a few flashy plays from him. To your right, Richardson's got a cannon of an R. Pierce is running more deep routes. But we expect this to be a conservative, run-heavy offense. I just don't know, can you count on him for a deep shot? Like, if we're talking best ball, okay, that's one thing. Right. But it's just hard for me on an offense that's going to be as run-heavy. The Colts will have a good defense, too. Like, I think they're going to be— Definitely better than last year. Right, they're going to be more low-scoring than I think people think. So you have have limited possessions, and we know Pittman is going to get his to the extent that they throw— it's hard for me to see consistent volume for Alec Pierce. I think you could see three or four games where he catches one deep and he goes, right. I like the player. Um, and, yeah, there's nothing wrong with round 14 and taking a player. Right, yes, that's but, where we uh, <laughs> But, yeah, I think there are probably other players that I like more from a fantasy perspective. I do like the, the, the skill set in Alec Pierce, Connor. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's somebody that's an acrobat. He's a great athlete, former volleyball player. I mean, he can go up and win the football in the air. There's no doubt about that. And I like that Lawrence brought up the talent of Anthony Richardson besides the running, of course, Jay, is that he could throw the ball down the field, which brings up my biggest concern would be the offensive line with this team. This offensive line was in shambles last year. They had a lot of different guys have to step in. They're also keeping an eye on the development of Bernard Ryman, a guy that can he be your long-term answer at tackle. So you wonder, can Richardson's playmaking ability, scrambling, tackle, break, and hopefully Jonathan Taylor back on the field as well, cover up some of the deficiencies in the trenches because that's something that can hold back this team from being able to push the ball down the field. And right now, we just don't know where this offensive line stands. Yeah, I mean, the Colts have been a disaster ever since the last couple of weeks of the 2021 season where I think they were a 99% chance to make the playoffs and then didn't, uh, losing to Jacksonville as 16.5-point favorites. But... I think with the Colts, I mean, you bring up a good point about the offensive line where one of the underrated stories with them has been like Quinton Nelson has not been the same guy right. the past couple of years and he's dealt with injuries, but just him not being a monster has really changed the complexion of that O-line. And I think that the guy on this offense who's underrated at the moment uh, is Michael Pittman. Where Michael Pittman, he caught 99 balls last year. Like, that's unbelievable. But a carousel, a quarterback. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. Yeah. And he's going outside the top 70 in drafts at the moment. And you look at his stats for most routes run last season where he was third in the league and missed the game as well. So Michael Pittman, who I think coming into last year was, you know, a guy that people were talking about, you know, potentially a top 10, 15 wide receiver. Uh, and it just didn't happen because of the quarterback situation. But I think he is a guy who showed last year that he's kind of quarterback proof. Lawrence, you and Barry had a viral moment last year of questioning Arthur Smith and the usage of Kyle Pitts, but the rumors are flying around that there's some hope in your eyes for Atlanta's offense this year. Yeah, well, you know, I figured, look, you know, we're drafting Kyle Pitts a little later than last year, of course, right? Yeah. We're drafting B. John Robinson. Is that Robinson. the royal we? Or is that, uh, is that just no, in you, general? No, like, me and you. Got it. Okay. Me and you. Right, but, right. but me and you will make everybody draft them. All right, fair enough. Like, right. we pushing the ADP. Understood. So, we drafting Kyle Pitts. We're, we're all drafting Bijan. Who yeah, don't love Bijan Robinson? Right. We're drafting Drake London. Well, what about the guy who's getting them the ball? Desmond Ritter. Now, I'm not saying he's a top 10 quarterback or anything like that, but I will say this. They play in the NFC South, weakest division. They get to play against the AFC South. The next week is division, right? In, in the four starts that Desmond Ritter had last season, he got better each game, capping yeah. that off with a QB 11 week in week 18. So all he really has to do, right, is be the point guard. Just be the point guard, get your players the ball. So what I'm saying is in the 12-team league, at some point, the way these players be getting shuffled around and injured – You'll probably be depending on Desmond Ritter at some point, and don't forget he can run the ball when needed. How do you feel about that, Mr. Barry? I feel like if I am counting on Desmond Ritter at some point this season, everything has gone horribly wrong. Probably. You know, and, um, and I'm just prepping for fantasy baseball season at that <laughs> point. Look, I want, as a public service announcement, I just want everyone in America to know that my dear friend Lawrence Jackson here is an Atlanta native. So I think you have to take <laughs> – Falcons hype with a grain of salt, a healthy grain of salt. Look, I understand the argument, right? And I'll even help you out a little bit on the argument. Help me out. He's a second-year quarterback. Yes, and to sir. your point, his passer rating improved every single week as well. He has more weapons um, another year in the system. Here's my concern. We know it's going to be a run-heavy offense. Does he, is he mobile? Sure. 
But he ain't Lamar Jackson. He ain't Justin no, no, Fields. No, 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 he ain't no, Anthony no, no, Richardson. No, no, no. He ain't no, no, no. Josh Allen. He's not what. He's not mobile like that. <laughs> no, no, no. Right, right. He's good straight ahead running. Right, exactly. So you know, he's just he's just not a he's just not a statue back there. But he's not somebody that you're like like he's not even Daniel Jones. But the other problem with Ritter here is that I'm not convinced. He keeps the gig all year. Ooh, Taylor Heineke. Wee. Taylor, hang on. They signed Taylor Heineke yes. to a two-year, twenty million dollar deal in the offseason. Like that's a big number yeah. for a quote-unquote backup. If you're yeah. like, hey, we're all in on Desmond Ritter, and we just need somebody. We just need like a Brian Hoyer, Colt McCoy type. Yeah. You're not going out. No, I'm serious. Yeah, no, just, no, right? Like it's a cut. You, si- you don't sign somebody to a two-year, twenty million dollar deal because Washington wanted to keep Heineke, but you, Atlanta came over the top with all this money. That, so that can't be fully I, guaranteed, I, I, right? I will just say that that is a big number. And mm. I think there is a short leash on Desmond Ritter. I also think this offense is going to revolve around Bijan Robinson, Tyler Algier, Cordero Patterson. They want to run the ball. Yes, you've got you've got Drake London and and Kyle Pitts, but I just think there are better late round quarterback flyers than Desmond Ritter, guys. I agree with you that I have some concern about the sustainability of him starting all year, right? The Heineke salary, the fact that Heineke, there is a world where he could be a better option for a team that the money they've spent on the defensive side of the ball, they are obviously, there's more urgency this year to win this division. Jay, I'll bring it back to the offense, though, real quick, the passing offense, because I do want to bring up Drake London. We saw him there, wide receiver 27 right now. This was somebody taken with a top 10 pick at one point very recently. Dealt with some injury, but a jump ball, big red zone target. I mean, what do you expect for Drake London in this offense this year? Well, I think it's just entirely tied to Desmond Ritter and what he is. Because I just worry that we're going to have games like last year where Marcus Mariota was throwing the ball 13 times, 14 times. That's attempts, not completions. And that it just becomes a running offense. And if they do have a lead in the second half, which I think they will more than last season, they just have more talent on the team. Uh, that would be my concern. Is it's just so run heavy with Bijan in there now alongside Tyler Algier and Cordero Patterson. But, I mean, this team, if you look at just the talent on the offense, offense outside of the quarterback position I mean they're completely loaded this is one of the best offensive lines in football Drake London could be a top 10 15 wide receiver in the league like very soon on talent Kyle Pitts could be the best tight end in football thereabouts on talent Uh, and you add that to if Ritter is if Ritter hits and I think the good thing there is that there is just an unknown and there is upside and quarterbacks do come out of nowhere like think of Geno Smith and Brock Purdy last season could Ritter fit into that mold with a great context around him potentially and then Drake London would probably be the number one beneficiary all right I don't mind by the way there's absolutely a scenario in which Desmond Ritter is fantasy relevant this year 100% I agree with everything you just said but I just sort of feel like if you look at how they built this team early round pick on Bijan Robinson offseason to rebuild the offensive line the money they've spent on defense they want to win game 17-14 21-17 they want to grind it out. They want to run the ball, slow the clock, and that doesn't lead to fantasy success for a quarterback. The other thing I'll say, Lawrence, that I will disagree with you, and again, thank you so much for keeping your shirt on the entire segment. I'm not but the next what, time. I understand. So this is why I'm just I'm trying to give you positive reinforcement here. What I will say, though, is, is that the one other thing I'll take issue with is, like, when you talk about the division being weak, I agree with you from an overall perspective, but I would argue that Carolina – New Orleans and Tampa Bay all have 
average to above average to good defenses. I actually think all three of those teams are above average Agreed. NFL defenses. So <clears throat> I don't think that while it's a quote unquote, it's a weak division because you don't have offensive firepower in a lot of those places. Mm -hmm. The fact of the matter is, is like, I think Carolina played great defense last year for a, a, a long stretch. New Orleans is always tough. Todd Bowles, a defensive minded coach. I think Tampa Bay is going to be better defensively than people think this year as well. So, you know, it's an ugly division, but I think it's yeah, going to be a low yeah. scoring one as well. Yes, sir. Well, we'll 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 serve it up. We'll have to, we'll we'll yeah, drink we'll to drink. that. We'll, we'll drink to that, Matthew. You'll have to drink much more after Desmond Ritter just smashes well, in twenty twenty three. You're the worst bartender ever. You talk a lot with no pouring. More, well, it, more it, of this. You don't like less your of this. you don't like your drinks. More neat. of this. Less of this from you. That's what <laughs> all right. I want we kicking you bartender. out the bar. Bouncers, where you at? Want to make Mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May twelfth. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. And thanks to our guest bartender for today's show, Lawrence Jackson. And a reminder, Big Ten Day is this Thursday, August 10th. Break out your Big Ten school colors and celebrate the inaugural Big Ten Day national holiday. Dust off your best gear, share photos of your school pride with hashtag Big Ten Day. And just so you know, in case you are like me and you're like, hey, I don't know who's in the Big Ten. Sometimes it's hard to keep track. Got, I, got a bit of, I, I got a trivia question for you. How many schools do you think are in the Big Ten? With all the schools that joined or today? I'm just, guess, I'm just, I'll tell you, I'll give you a hint. It's not 10. No, you think that's it's for 10. sure. It's you think trick. it's 10, but it's not 10, even though it's called the Big Ten. Actually, at the moment, it's 14 teams, but UCLA and USC are joining in 24. Um, so it'll be 16 teams in the Big Ten. It's like a super-sized Big Ten. It'll be 17. Oh, yeah, when Washington, Washington. shows up. Yep. I forgot about Washington. Maybe they, So here's – I'm trying to figure out who I should root for. Because I don't – I grew up in College Station, Texas, so obviously I like Texas A&M. I went to Syracuse, so I root for the Orange. My kid is going to Alabama in the fall, so I've got – got to root for the Tide now. <laughs> but I don't have a Big Ten connection. I got – here's who I can choose from, right? Indiana – Maryland, Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, Penn State, Purdue, Rutgers, Illinois, Iowa, Minnesota, Nebraska. Nebraska's kind of interesting. <laughs> Northwestern, <laughs> Wisconsin. I got UCLA, USC, and Washington on the way. Um, you know, I feel like, you know, like who are the, the, the ones that aren't obvious? The Indianas of the world, like the, you know. Northwestern, the Bray, well, I couldn't have gotten into Northwestern. It should be a school that I could get into. I might not have been able to get into any of them. That might be a bad bad way to play here. I'm just sort of, Maryland, you know, because I am a Washington Commanders fan. Okay. So Maryland, you know, sort of local, that's kind of an interesting. Yeah, you can do a Saturday and Sunday back-to-back game. Something to, something, to, I have to, do you guys have a vote for me? Well, I think we should put it out to a, a fan vote. I think, fan vote? I think this, should be a fan, a, this should be a fan vote. Fan vote, I will let the fans decide who my Big Ten team is. Um, I just say it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be Ohio State. Yeah, it's like it choosing, can't be Ohio State. Choosing the Yankees. Can't yeah. be USC. It, 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 it shouldn't in. be. It shouldn't be USC. It, the only reason it would be Michigan is because I do have a family member attending Michigan. 
but yeah. I've already spoken for them. I'm the yeah, but, Michigan but, guy. But I, I could, you know, I could pull an executive decision and pull that from you. <laughs> okay. I could, I could force you. you. Steal my Wolverines for you. Me and yeah. JJ McCarthy. He's got I my could, name, but twice. I, I could, I could make you root for Purdue. I have that ability. <laughs> yeah. The show's called Fantasy Football Happy Hour with Matthew Berry, and that's it's true. That I'm working literally on Literally, like, the, literally, when I when I made my contract with NBC, I literally <laughs> only have two demands: I want my name in the title, and I want the ability to pick Jay's Big Ten <laughs> yeah. school. So just just so you know, read the fine print. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Purdue. Purdue. Well, don't make me love you know Purdue. You a sneaky one. Who's that? Illinois. Illinois. Yeah. Illinois is okay. loaded with. Pro- they were loaded with prospects last yeah. year, and they're loaded again this year. Illinois is a sneaky one. Okay. Maybe I that can be your team. If you want, if you want to. If you no, want I already, to, I already took Wisconsin. I, you're taking Wisconsin. Because Wisconsin's, Wisconsin's I, I like a, a fun party school. I had one of the best weekends ever there as an, as an adult partying. So. Oh, wow. We should go into full detail on that yeah. one. Yeah, maybe not. <laughs> uh, just, I can already tell you, Ohio State's ruled out, um, and uh, uh, Michigan State is ruled out for me. Ohio State just because it's obvious. Yeah. Ohio State only because they're just so good. Yeah, like, what's you know, the Michigan State story here? No, I just I had uh, we got to get to rankings. Did Mark uh, McCarthy I'll, I'll go to Michigan up. State or something? No, I just I had I had just like the worst day, one of the worst days of my life in East okay, Lansing. So I just rankings. I hold I hold it against Michigan State. I hold and it's not really even Michigan State's fault because it, it was the set, it's the city of East Lansing, but it's not necessarily Michigan State. But like, um, what, you're yeah, from I'm, bad I'm not, I don't like East Lansing. Okay. Yeah. And Michael Thomas like went to Lansing. Ohio State, so that Sorry. was the obvious sure. one there. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah, the big. Yeah, All right, Barry's positional rankings. We continue the countdown. We cops were called. I'll just leave it at that. I was innocent, and cops were called. That's all I'm going to say. Wow. I don't even know why you were there. Yeah. I, me either. <laughs> like, how does one end up in East Lansing if not I, for school? I literally somebody got married. I had to go. I went to a wedding there, and like, why are you getting married? Don't get me started. It's a lot to unpack. Yeah, this is definitely Friday, get, a, a segment on Friday. So yeah, stick okay. with us. Like and subscribe <laughs> the show, and All you'll right. never miss uh, the breakdown. All right, positional rankings: thirty-one through fifty today, and we will kick it off with thirty-one through forty, starting with Brees Hall at the top there. Uh, and let's let's stop right there because I feel like there's a lot of different conversations around Brees Hall's ADP right now where he'll be to start the season. We know the talent. If he stayed healthy last year, this is a guy that would probably be a first-round pick in fantasy. But as much as the Jets, you know, pound their chest with GPS numbers on Brees and they think he'll be ready for week one, Barry, it feels like there's not a lot of conviction that he will be a workhorse back for at least the month of September. Right, and I think a lot of people might be, you know, kind of curious about why his ADP is where he is. And so right now a lot of the average draft positions are based on best ball. And best ball, especially when you're in some of these bigger tournaments, like you know, like Underdog, which our our, our friend and former colleague Pat Corain won last year, um, you want to gear towards the end, right? Weeks 15, 16, 17, the fantasy playoffs for all of us in season long, but in best ball, obviously as well. And so the idea is, is that even if he's, especially in best ball, if he's not great the first half of the season, who cares? As as long as he's back to being Brees Hall in capital letters and getting 20 touches a game on what we expect to be a much improved offense as you head into the fantasy playoffs and then ultimately in weeks 15, 16, and 17, that's pretty interesting. He'd be a top 10 pick if you knew that for sure. So the fact that he's currently going inside the top 30 overall, that's why that is. Um, the longer the, that Dalvin Cook doesn't sign, and the longer that the job is just Brees Halls, the better you feel about him as well. The question is, is just sort of health, but I think ultimately uh, in terms of this is a guy that you should count on more for the second half of the year than the first half. Yeah, I'd, I'm a little bit concerned about Brees Hall. And it's a shame because I think had he not gotten hurt, he would have been in the conversation to be a top three, top five pick. Like, I think he had that kind of upside. Yeah, he was, just, he was yeah. just hitting 
his stride when he went down. He had the home run, what, the 77-yard touchdown or whatever against the Broncos before he got hurt. Uh, but I was just worried about what his workload is going to be like early, the fact that Aaron Rodgers' offense, uh, potentially they bring in a veteran for more competition as well. So I think with fantasy, it's always what potential downside do you feel worse about and what makes what keeps you up at night more is it Brees Hall and the injury stuff or is it Travis Etienne getting Tank Bigsby cutting into him and Doug Peterson's offense being a timeshare is it Jameer Gibbs just being a rookie and not being established I think I would probably take Etienne and Gibbs over Brees Hall but certainly Brees Hall could be a top 10 running back. by the way in the minute if they sign Dalvin Cook or they sign a credible veteran he'll move down he'll move down those ranks you know what I mean as of right now, I have him slightly ahead of Etienne and Gibbs because as much as I love Jameer Gibbs, like, Dave Montgomery's getting 200 touches. Like, he just is in that offense, right? You know, and, and Etienne, again, the concerns on Bigsby. But, yes, uh, as we get closer to camp, if, if and when they sign a veteran, Brees Hall will move down there. But that's the idea is, there, is that you're drafting him for the second half of the year. Back to the rankings, Brees Hall followed by Travis Etienne and Jameer Gibbs, then Keenan Allen and DeAndre Hopkins. At 36, though, Najee Harris, who, listen, with Najee, it's all about, been about volume. The Steelers' offensive line has struggled specifically last year. They have made some improvements to it. What is the real ceiling here for Najee Harris, Barry? I mean, they're a team that obviously drafted him to be one of the true workhorse backs of the NFL. The ceiling is a top 10 fantasy running back. Again, this is somebody who last year was both top eight in the NFL in red zone and goal to go touches last year. Like when they got in close, they were giving it to Najee Harris. If you buy into the idea that the Steelers offense is going to be better this year, that year two of Kenny Pickett, that, you know, Pickens and Deontay Johnson and, you know, that they've added some pieces there. I'm not, you know, whatever. Lord help me for saying what I'm about to say, but like, Allen Robinson is a slot guy. It's sort of interesting to me. I again, think, he's a big yeah. body guy. Like, again, he doesn't have to be fantasy relevant for him to be impactful for the Steelers' offense. The point is, is that if the offensive line plays a little bit better, if Kenny Pickett is better, like, the ceiling, again, there's a, there's a much lower floor on Najee Harris as well, right? Does he not get into the, you know, does he, is he not involved in the passing game the way his rookie year is? Does Jalen Warren you know, start to cut into even more. He was starting to do that last year. Like, there's a there's a really low floor that could bottom out. But if you're asking me what the ceiling is, the ceiling is top 10 fantasy running back, that he gets 18 to 20 touches a game, that they, you know, that they use him, that the offense is more efficient. And, you know, he winds up with 12, 13 touchdowns just because when they get in close, they give it to the guy. Yeah, I think people are sleeping on the Steelers in general because last year was kind of blah and they weren't really in the mix at all. But people forget that TJ Watt missed half of last year and he's coming off being defensive player of the year. On offense, that offensive line, I think, will gel more and will be better. And the fact that George Pickens is in year two, if they just need Pickett to be good. If Pickett is good, then all of a sudden, that's a team that can win a very difficult division. That's why I like Mike, Mike Tomlin's 25-1 to 1 to win coach of the year. I think that's too big because he's a guy who will absolutely get the credit. And Najee Harris would be a huge beneficiary. Uh, and yeah, and I think that he's someone who could really exceed his ADP. In a year in which he was incredibly inefficient and not great, and the offense, to your point, was stuck in the mud, he had 313 touches. Yep. I mean, again, volume is when fantasy football volume is king for running backs, and it doesn't even necessarily need to be good volume, yep. right? Because there's just there's so few running backs in the NFL that get over 300 touches, and. Najee Harris is probably going to get 300 touches again this year. Yep. Can we quickly talk about DeAndre uh, Hopkins? Where I think sure. this has gone a little bit under the radar, where 
The Titans' offensive line is a complete disaster. It's real bad. Uh, and I just worry about that team in general and, uh, and keeping Tannehill upright. I think that's fair. You know, again, and you know, one of their guys was suspended for six games. And I, um, but Hopkins should stretch the field between between Hopkins, Traylon Burks, and Chigakonkwo, and you've got Tannehill as a mobile quarterback. You know, it should stretch. It you know, they should be able to stretch the field and hopefully. Um, you know, they can, you know, they can... Just through volume. Yeah, just, you know, just sort of, like, scheme around the weakness of the offensive line. To round out the top 40, after Najee Harris at 37 is DK Metcalf, 38 Debo Samuel, 39 tight end TJ Hawkinson, and 40 Lamar Jackson. Debo Samuel at 38 coming off a tough year. Debo's dealt with various injuries throughout his career. Obviously, the Niners have a lot of talent with McCaffrey in town now. We know what Ayuk can do. Isn't, is it just me, Barry, or does Debo feel like a high-variance player heading into this season? High-variance, you mentioned the injuries. He's missed at least four games to the past three seasons, eight games with fewer than 45 receiving yards last year. And it does feel like a lot of the, for lack of a better way to phrase it, a lot of the Wildcat stuff is going to be more McCaffrey now than it was Debo Samuel. That was one of the appeals of Debo Samuel prior to McCaffrey showing up is like, hey, they're going to they're gonna do jet sweeps with this guy. They're going to line him up in the backfield. They're going to generate ways to get the ball in his hands. And I think that will still happen, but maybe not as frequently because you have Chris McCaffrey, who you're paying a lot of money to, and who is built for that, right? And so you just make Debo like kind of a, a pure wide receiver. And then you've also got Brandon Ayuk, and you've also got George Kittle. And you've suddenly, you know, like there's a lot of mouths to feed in a very good a very good offense there. So if there's a positive here, he was second on the team in red zone touches last year. Uh, he had a 24% target share last year, at least six targets in 11 of 13 games last year. So when they were throwing, I still think the passing offense goes through Debo Samuel, but I just don't think the difference between him and whoever is number two on targets, whether it's Ayuk or McCaffrey, is as great as it has been in previous years there. So. That's where Debo comes in. Super talented player, really love him. But, yeah, I mean, just inside my top 40. Yeah, there's just too many guys on that team. And he is going to need, like, the 74-yard catch and run that he had against Seattle in the playoffs. He's going to need those type of players to really provide value, and that's difficult to count on. All right, we get into 41 through 50, and this starts with one of the most interesting players in the fantasy landscape this year being Calvin Ridley, simply because, guys, he didn't play last year. But Jacksonville... We know what kind of passing offense this can be as Trevor Lawrence continues to take big-time steps under Doug Peterson in this offense. Ridley uh, coming into your top 50, almost sneaking into the top 40, Barry, and it seems like the returns from Ridley and Camp have been very promising so far. A lot of buzz out of Camp about Calvin Ridley. Remember last year, the Jacksonville Jaguars were top seven in total wide receiver targets. They were top five in wide receiver target share. We talked about this again earlier in the show. Doug Peterson is a former NFL quarterback. He came up in Andy Reid's system. He is pass first. And so I think that, you know, Zay Jones is the guy that loses some. You know, I think I think there's a fairly good chance that Calvin Ridley, when we look up a year from now, has led the Jaguars in target share. Christian Kirk's going to get his. Obviously, there'll be some Evan Ingram and, you know, Zay Jones sprinkled in there. But Calvin Ridley, you know, is a special player and – You've got a very good quarterback and a, and a very offensive-minded coach. Because of the competition, the target share, you know, he's just outside my top overall 40. I'm at 41, but his ADP is currently 47. So I'm higher on, higher on him than consensus right now. Um, I'm sort of buying 
Calvin Ridley more than I'm not. Yeah, and I'm all in Calvin Ridley. I think the fact that the last time that he was fully healthy, played a full season in 2020, 90 receptions, 1374 receiving yards, nine touchdowns, missed the game that year and did that with the Matt Ryan who was starting to go uh, on the other side. So I think the Ridley, massive, massive upside. Right after Ridley at 42 is Amari Cooper, followed by 43. Alexander Madison show finally in Minnesota. Dalvin Cook cut by the Vikings. Madison, we've seen Barry what he does when called upon as Cook missed various games over the years. Do you think he can sustain that through an entire season though? Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, like, right, he's got one season with more than 110 touches. That was 2021. Um, there's not a lot of competition at the moment in the backfield. You've got Tyson Chandler, Dwayne McBride, you know, a couple other guys there. Um, Chandler would be who I would be most interested in as the uh, insurance running back if you ended up drafting Madison. But to your point, yes, he's had eight career games with 15 or more touches. He averages 18.7 fantasy points per game. The expectation here is he's going to get 15 touches with Dalvin Cook no longer there. Remember, Cook, 303 running back touches last year, no longer on the team. So those are up for grabs under Kevin O'Connell. Like the, the offense they're going to run this year is the same offense they ran last year. It is still pass heavy, but they'll, uh, they'll go there. So it's, the only question is, to me, the only question is, is Madison going to be a three-down back or just the first two back downs? Because we just haven't seen him in that role. Will they? Will they trust him on third down? Will he get you know multiple receptions? That's just the passing game usage is the only unknown there for Madison. Yeah, I think there is a little bit of a logical inconsistency where Dalvin Cook was going in the top ten of drafts last season, and now Madison's going like fifty. Like, I think that's too big of a gap between those two when it's largely the same offense. So, yeah, I think I'm a little bit higher on Madison than consensus. After Madison at 44 is Kenneth Walker, 45 Joe Burrow, 46 Aaron Jones, 47 Jerry Judy, 48 Terry McLaurin, 49 Mike Williams, and 50 Christian Kirk. Before we get out of here, guys, let's... A lot of, lot of can't buzz about Mike Williams. Just We'll talk about him another day, but okay. a lot of can't buzz about Mike Williams, about them using him more in the slot. The Kellen Moore, the Kellen Moore him, effect. Right. Yeah, the Kellen Moore effect. And just, I mean, again, when you think about the kind of body that Mike Williams is in the slot up against linebackers, I mean, like, it's just mismatch city. That's going to be really interesting. And, and one more interesting wide receiver is Jerry Judy because Denver's already dealt with a wide variety of injuries at this position. They unfortunately lose Tim Patrick again, the K.J. Hamler situation that's going to keep him off the field, and they might move, they're moving on. I mean, Judy's this guy after being a first-round pick that the expectations have always been high, and it feels like he's never been able to fully reach them. Can he unlock a little bit more with Sean Payton now as the head coach? I'm at 47 overall. His current ADP is 70. That's ridiculous. Wow. Final six games last year, came back from ankle injury. Again, think about this Broncos offense. Complete and utter Disaster. disaster, right? Just a, you know... Dumpster on fire, all the gifts, you know, the dogs sitting surrounded by fire, everything's fine. You know, it was as bad a situation as it could be. And yet, from week 13 on last year, Jerry Judy was the seventh best wide receiver in fantasy on a points per game basis. He got a 23% target share in those games, six or more targets um, uh, in the 11 of 13 games that he's played. Uh, that it's 13 full games that he's played. You know, we left with injury and. Weeks, uh, weeks two and ten. And then, right, as awful as the K.J. Hamler and Tim Patrick stuff is and what the Broncos are going through, the fact of the matter is, is now there's a much more narrow target tree 
for Sean Payton's offense, which we know is going to be fantasy friendly. It's going to be pass happy. And so, Jay, you and I have talked about this a number of times on the show. We're buying the dip on Russell Wilson. We're willing to sort of throw away last year yeah, the Russell and say, sense. like, we, we, we're, let's ride. Yeah. It's Bronco country. Let's go. Let's <laughs> ride. Anyway, I just I, – Jerry Judy is a trendy sleeper in fantasy circles, and I'm on the bandwagon. Yeah, I think at the start of last season, the popular consensus was early. I think what we were on as well was that Sutton was the guy that you wanted. And I think Judy probably proved us wrong by the end of the season where Judy had the better year. And, I mean, there's a reason he was the 15th pick in the draft. He's got extreme talent. And, I mean, I think it's ridiculous that he's going 70. That seems insane. I think yeah, he I could... Guys who are going, like, what, Amari Cooper's going, like, 40? I think Jerry Judy could absolutely have a better season yeah. than Amari Cooper. Let's ride. Let's ride. And with that, that wraps up the top 50. We will be back on Friday with more of Barry's rankings as we roll on throughout the summer here, guys. Maybe Kareem Hunt will have a new job by then. Maybe Ezekiel Elliott or Dalvin Cook. Trivia, before, a question before we get out. Prediction. Does Kareem Hunt get more than Travis Homer got from the Bears? <laughs> no. I say no. I say, I say I, no. I, I say <laughs> no as well. Listen, that music means it's closing time. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. For Jake Crouch, Connor Rogers, and guest bartender Lawrence Jackson, I'm Matthew Barry. Peace out. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30.